Always a privilege to minister the Word of God in any capacity, whether it's whether I'm preaching to myself <laughs> or we're having a prayer meeting and the Spirit of God is just swooping in into our little home or our room and my wife and I, it's so precious. If you don't have a notebook, get one. Write down what God is speaking to you. We just bring and put things before the Lord and He just brings revelation and He brings scriptures. He, he, he brings them out and it, it gives us uh, it gives us uh, a direction. It gives us uh, it gives us motivation. We're a little hot here. It gives us motivation and, and direction and what to do. And so the word of God, it's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll slice through every situation in any situation. And he'll bring you life. It'll build you up. The word of God will give you an inheritance among the saints in life. The word of God is precious. It's eternal. And he's watching over his word to perform it. Amen. Today I want to minister a message to you entitled, Putting First Things First. God's Law of Priority. Putting First Things First. God's Law of Priority. You might say to me, Pastor Tom, does it really matter in life what you do? I mean, after all, we're in the age of grace, right? I mean, we're able... I mean, if, if you go this way and it wasn't quite right or it wasn't quite... The, the best way to go. Isn't grace there to kind of uh, take care of everything? Everything's going to be all right? Well, l- let me just share something with you. Yes, and uh, in the first service I said emphatically no. Really no. Because what's important, friends, is that God is trying to position you and position, I should say, us to be in places of, stand in places of grace and in places of assignment so that we don't miss it. And if, if you will... It's not that God can't bless us, it's, or it's not that He doesn't want to bless us, but sometimes if we don't position ourselves correctly, He can only bless us so much. Does that make sense? He will not violate your free will. So if He says, I want you to do this, and then I want you to do that, it's important for us to follow instruction. In God, it's not all... Anything goes. I, have, I got this image in my mind as I was meditating on this message today or yesterday and throughout the week. Is that somehow we have Christians that think that heaven's like the Wild West. You know, everybody's got their six shooters and making their own way and cutting their own deal with God. And this town is not big enough for the two of us. And just do it your own way, right? Wrong. That's not how heaven is. Heaven has order. God has put laws into effect. And when he gives instruction... They are to be followed. Amen. Now, sometimes by not following God's order, uh, it, it sets you off course and it sets you out a little bit. But sometimes it could be catastrophic. I don't know about you, but I don't want to ever miss it. I don't want to miss God. How about you? And there's no need to miss God. So let's look at this right quickly. Priority. What is that? It's, it's a thing that is regarded as more important than another. In the kingdom of God, are there things or are there concepts that are more important than others? The fact or condition, the answer is yes. The, the fact or condition of being regarded or treated as more important, a prime concern, a more important consideration. 
Jesus speaking of the parable of the seed and the sower, he says, hey, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand all the other ones? This is like a principal parable here we're talking about, guys. And I, Lord, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. Say, hey, if you don't get what this means, you got problems. Get this. You got to get this. There are some, if you understand things that are, somebody say foundational. We're working on something. They take precedent over others. Now, we understand a little bit about that uh, in, in our world, like priority mail, for instance. Sorry, I, sometimes these things come up. I used to be a mailman in San Francisco. So many moons ago, deliver those letters to your home, work my fingers to the bone. Hallelujah. <laughs> Fight off the dogs, climb up on bovos and squirt those dogs with that pepper spray while the wind is blowing. Get stranded and they ask you why you're so late. It was fate, hallelujah, the dog was, man, there's some mean dogs out there, oh, never mind, they're probably dead and gone, hallelujah, and I'm still here, I'm happy, (laughs) oh, you know, people just don't get it, man, you know, the door's open, like, can you kind of put the dog inside, oh, no, he's nice, he loves everybody, I really, can you, oh, he loves everybody, well, okay, They just don't get it. Anyway, mailmen get it. We get it. We get it. Priority mail. When you send something priority mail, we understand that it gets there, somebody say, faster. It's like if there's a if there's hundred letters and one of them's priority and the other ones are not, what's one's going to get there sooner? The priority gets prime attention. So when you're working in, in the field of the Spirit and you do things with a priority stamp on it, it gets preferential treatment. Yes, now, how would you like to do life where you never did things in proper priority? Like, oh, that one's bulk. You could just wait on that one. Three weeks later, you ever, ever get there? It feels terrible. Like, you get there, oh, the party, and you open the door, oh, it's over. It's over? So I saw, oh, you're like three months late, dude. That, that happened. Happy birthday. Dude, my birthday was last week. You know, it's like, dude, you're, you're late, man. You're late. I mean, you're just kind of like missing in life. And then sometimes you might happen to be there on time. Nothing in your life is prioritized. (laughs) Right, I think I'm having too much fun for this. Priority mail, that's where we were. So it gets preferential treatment. Listen, in the kingdom of God, there are delineations of importance. And if I get an opportunity, I'll get to all three. But chances are we might only get to two of them. But here are three areas that I'm going to try to cover. I'll do my best. How many of you release your faith with us today? The first is the priority of devotion. The priority of devotion. That's your attention, your affection, and your motivation. The second area of priority in the kingdom of God is the priority of practice. It's what you actually seek and what you do with your energies and how you manage what God has given you to, to, to manage in your life. And the third one is the priority of provision. And that relates to supernatural supply. I hope I can get to that. It's all good. Somebody say, it's all good. But let's talk about devotion. Are you ready to get going in this? Devotion, sometimes when somebody asks me about, when I think of devotion, I think of, you know, some dated 1970s guidepost little book that you open. It has a little story about a kid and a dog. There goes those dogs again. (laughs) And a little principle. Uh, Sorry, uh, nothing against guideposts or nothing, but I'm just saying, sometimes you think, I think that's what devotion, but that's that's not exactly what devotions mean. Let's talk about what devotion... Devotion, the first thing is called love, loyalty, enthusiasm. 
for a person, an activity, or a cause. Loyalty, and, and, and then uh, faithfulness, fidelity, constancy, commitment, adherence, allegiance. Does that strike a bell with anybody? Dedication, fondness, love, admiration, affection, and care. I have a fresh appreciation for devotion, seeing that my wife has been away taking care of her dad and her mom. Uh, for going on six weeks now and thank you for your prayers God is really helping us all he's good God is good but you know uh, week one I was cool you know I could do this I got this come home to a house that's empty I got this week two okay week three well week four honey uh, week five that's it I got to do something anybody in the office I kid you not they will tell you that I have been moping around the office. Last week it was like, hey, Pastor Tom, what's up? Well. <laughs> I have been moping. Because the object of my affection is like she isn't there. And it particularly, and I know you're watching, it hurts if I missed a phone call, didn't call, hey, 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 I'm sorry, I'm busy now, I'll call you back later, and didn't get that call later. Does that do something for you like it does for me? Is everybody feeling sorry for Pastor Tom right now? But there's a, con- there's a connection, there's an enthusiasm to hear from, and to hear, and to transact some love, some, some affection, even if it's over the phone, you know. And so, let's talk about this. this. Don't let this be too simple for you. This could be the very thing that is holding back various areas of your life. That you're not getting the results that you need to get. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22, our first scripture of this service. 22, 36 through 40, at least in the message. And I am reading from the New King James Version. So... Verse 36, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So right there that tells you that if there's a great or the greatest commandment, that means that he already noted that there were others that were not quite as great or not quite as foundational. Now, please understand, I'm not advocating that we just do one important one and let the other one slip. (laughs) But I'm just saying that as you're building a life, there seems to be a priority, somebody say priority, to things that are important that you start with, start with this. This is First, this is priority. And so Jesus said this. What did he say to him? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So Jesus obviously didn't correct the one asking a question, the scribe or Pharisee, can't remember which one it was. But it's, then he went on to say, the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then he went on to say in verse 40, look, notice this. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Do you suppose if the law and the prophets hang on this, maybe your life and my life might hang on these? I'm just asking. Come on, help me out a little bit here. You suppose it's at all important for us to take a little time out? If something is that great, of all that was written, of all the prophets, of all the moves of God that have occurred 
throughout all the major and the minor prophets that he's going to say that these two commandments are so great that the entire law and all the prophets hang on these two things. I call that priority. How about you? So notice what it says. I'm just going to skip around here uh, in, in verse 37 through 40. Just a couple of things in the Amplified. He said it this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, your intellect. So how, what you think about is important. And he goes on to say this is the great, most important and principal and first commandment. That comes from the Amplified Bible. Look what it says in the Message Bible. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most and first on any list, it says in the Message Bible. Are you getting this? This is the first on any list. And then he goes on to say there's a second uh, to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These commands are the pegs. Everything God's law and prophets hang on from them. So let's, let's go to this. You may say to me, Pastor Tom, so isn't there something new that you have to share here? Friends, like I said, don't let this be too simple. We live in a society that is utterly dysfunctional. We have the greatest challenge connecting with people. I don't know about you. Maybe you grew up in a home that was so perfect and marvelous. But I, didn't, I had the hardest time in my home when I was a kid. I hardly ever heard, I love you. That felt so weird to me. It felt, in fact, it was so foreign when people started saying it to me, I love you. I'm, I'm not criticizing, you know, I'm not saying that there wasn't love there, but it was, it was like taking it to another level to actually express your love like that. That wasn't really, that didn't happen in my house very much. Are you listening to me? And then people have different love language. I get that. But it might have been nice as a kid to know I love you, you know. And it might not hurt for you to go back and tell the people in your home I love you. We are starving for love. But giving and receiving of love is so vital to the human existence. And yet I read in the Bible when I see that the Apostle Paul makes it clear. So monumental is the need in the human experience for the love that it takes intercession and prayer for you to get to a place where you can actually even feel love, where you can actually accept and transact, give and receive love because it's got to be a move of God in your life. I don't know about your family. Maybe your family was good, but maybe in my family it was not that way. And I have to learn how to give and receive love. I will also say this. One of the greatest stresses in the human experience is when a relationship is broken and hearts are broken, walls go up and you have somebody walk out on you or might as well go to the notes. You're not going to improve on that. Gosh, where was I? It says, I said here, we're so dysfunctional, we're hurt, we're damaged. We find nearly impossible to give or receive love without help from God. Our hearts have been, listen, betrayed, lied to, used, trampled by others. Even many times well-meaning people. And it just, it just hurts our heart if that happens. Amen? So what happens is defenses go up. But I have a word for you in Ephesians 3. I say to you, church, it is a worthy cause for you to step into your prayer closet and make it a life 
long ago for you, a priority for you to understand the height and the depth and the length of the love of God so that you can in turn then love yourself and love others because people are counting on you. People are needing love so terribly bad. He says in verse 17 of Ephesians 3 in the Amplified Bible, the Apostle Paul, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent home in your heart. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. We need, where do you get security from? You get it from love, that love, that secure. It says that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience that love. So don't give me that, like, really, we're talking about love? Because, friends, we, you, I are desperate for love. I said our souls are desperate for love. It says that you may come to really know practically through the experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge. So moving around, right this is all by way of introduction. 1 John 4.18, it says this in the New King James, there is no fear in love. How about adding that to your life experience? Perfect love casts out fear. How about adding that to your life experience? Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Have, when's the last time you read Romans chapter 8, verse 38 through 39 in the Amplified Bible? It says, for I am persuaded beyond doubt, and I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things impending, or threatening, or things to come, nor powers, or height, death, anything else, in all creation, will be able to separate me from the love of my God, which is in Christ Jesus. How about, when's the last time you look at 2 Chronicles 16, 9a? Which says this, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those who are loyal to him. Hallelujah. God has not forgotten about us, friends. He's not forgotten about you. He knows where you live. He loves you with an everlasting, intense love. Praise God. And yet what he's asking us, the first priority, the first priority that we're looking at is that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Are you loving God today? Well, uh, let me just give you a few little thoughts about that, and then we're going to get into the priority and practice. About devotion, Jesus said, Why do you say, Lord, Lord, or say you love me, but you're not doing the things that I ask you? So you understand, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? So what that means is, if you love God, come to church or in your home and be open to what he has to say. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, proximity is one step, but proximity alone does not define whether or not you're in love or loving the way that you can to full capacity. I'll give you a good example. Uh, when we had little kids, they were with us all the time. Everywhere you, kid, they, everywhere you went, they were omnipresent. They, when you were at the store, there they are. When you're at the library, there, shh, there they are. When you're in church, shh, there they are. Everywhere you go, there's the kids. You go to the park, there they are. You go to the ball game, there they are. Everywhere you go, kids, kids, kids. After you say, oh God, we want... And then all of a sudden, you can't get rid of them. You know, <laughs> life is funny sometimes. But I want you to know something. Just because your kids are with you doesn't mean that you're loving them and that yeah. you're spending quality time with yeah. them. 
They're just a tag along. There's a little adjustment that you make in your heart when you're with a friend or, a, or your spouse or, or your child or mom and dad. There's something on the inside that you turn the switch on and you connect and you stir something on the inside of you that connects with them. There's a vast difference between having kids that are tagging along with you versus kids that you say, Dad, you and Dad are going to have a date today. We're going to go to Toys R Us. We are. We're going to get the newest Legos. We are. Oh, yeah. Okay, so go get ready. You know, at 10 o'clock, we're going. That is vastly different. Going up and down the aisle, finding the Legos, getting it, going on a date, you know, with your kid. Hello, somebody. Spending time. Listen, I learned something from my sister, Liz. She's amazing with kids. She, what she would do is she would get down to where the kids are. She would throw off all this adult thing and she would get it, step into their world. When you step into someone's world, moms and dads, when you step into their world, they'll have a better time of stepping into your world. You will create a connection. I have a scripture coming up in my heart right now. It says, correct your child while there is hope. Hope there is tikva. That means correct your child while there is a connection with them. And that connection isn't that, bless God, I feed you as long as you're on the roof. You're going to do what I say. That is not the connection a little three-year-old or four or five-year-old kid is looking from you at the, at the moment. And it certainly won't help when they're 15 and want to drive the car. As long as I'm under my roof, you're going to do what I say. These are the house. Listen, this is the connection. Did you take time to get down into their world? Get in. Get into their world. How about elders? Get into their world. Go, go see your mom. Like, I got into my father. I love you, Dad. I don't know. I know you're probably going to see this. I love Jean. I just love you with all my heart. Have the utmost respect for you. Mean a lot to me. But it means a lot to me to go into his world. If the best he could do is be there, I'll go into his world and I'll, I'll wrap my arms around him and I'll say, I say, I love you and just hold him. I got into his world. I go out of my way to get into his world. When I went up to see him in the hospital, I, I said, and he wasn't having a very good time of it. He says, Dad, I want to see you. He's kind of a little upset and whatever. I says, Dad, I drove three hours specifically to see you. I want to see you. And I took him in my arms and I held him really tight. Something broke in that, in that moment. Because love, somebody say love never fails. I don't know. I hope that, that's thrown in for free. Maybe that helps somebody. But let me talk to you something about the word about priority is our second priority in practice. This was fascinating to me. You know how there's Google Earth that you could, you could actually look up uh, a map and actually there's the street map. Oh my gosh, you could go right down to the street where you live and they show you all the angles. You could see the front and the back. Like that's almost like that's, whoa, that's, come on now. That's, that's a little too much of my business. Thank you very much, Google. But anyway, they have another service called the Ngram Viewer. Now, this Ngram Viewer, what, it, what they did, the same way that Google went to all the streets in the world, as many as they could, and they took photographs of them all, so that you, and both satellite and street view, they also took every book that has ever been written, as much as they could find, dating back starting with the 1800s. Of all nations, and unfortunately, I guess it's still a work in progress because they don't have every nation, you know. But it was fascinating because what you could do then is you could put a search 
for a word or a phrase to see what was current like in the 1800s. What were people thinking in that day? What were they thinking? Okay, anyway. Hey, 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 watch it. So this is, this is what I find. I know it's hard to get, but I'm going to put this right here. Maybe you could get a close-up of that. This is what we get in the American English for the word priority. Priority. I don't know if you could see that or put it. Can, I don't know if you could get real close in. Who is, get real close in. That helps. Okay. You could see it. Okay. I want you to see that somewhere in the 1800s, it was very, the, the whole concept of priority wasn't really published. It wasn't really thought. Maybe it wasn't talked about very much. It was very, very low. Then somewhere around 18, no, this was uh, 1940 is when somebody woke up. There was a lot of rent of, uh, uh, renovation, renovation, innovation is a better word. And there was a spike on where the word was used, articles on the word priority. And it, and it seemed to spike in 19, in the 70s, about 1970, it spiked. And, and people were, everybody seemed to be writing a book, whether it was, and, and articles and things, and everyone was talking about this, whether it was business or home or even Christians, you know. I mean, you know that book about God's priorities and priorities and priorities, right? Okay, now I want you to see what happened. This, this goes uh, approximately to 2008, maybe to a little longer. Some, some, of, the, some of the words they, they research out to 2012. But let's just call it to be conservative 2008. I want you to see the drop-off. Did you see the drop-off on that? Uh-huh, turn it around. You want me to turn around? Oh, okay. Anyway, um, the drop-off on that, it went like when it hit two, somewhere around 2000, it spiked about 2001. Then it just tanked. It went down to a pre, like 1960 level, about where 1960s were. Now, the, the point I know, I, forgive me, I kind of get into this techie thing, but the, the reason why I brought this up is because the whole idea about finding priorities and setting priorities was something that was was a concept that was pretty much non-existent. Then there was a resurgence of it, or I should say a surgence of it, and then it began to wane. And it's fascinating to look at different nations. Like Russia, it was like almost non-existent. It was like, oh my goodness, people like, what happened? And I I don't want to speak badly of any other nation, but I'm just saying those that are kind of like communist and something like this, it's like very rep- repressive, their, their documents. Maybe it was just that it was underground. I have no idea. But the point being is people were thinking about priority, but it had fallen off and even today it's fallen off. Maybe they're not talking about it in business. Let me, let me share with you briefly, without stalling the message too much more, another word that I did, and that is on seek. Seek. And this is what's very interesting about the word seek in documentation and literary uh, things is that it was fairly even throughout. It, it moved a little bit, and I'm using zero smoothing. So in case you're a statistician, I know that there's some things about this that are somewhat, you know, whenever you take a cross-section going from the 1800s all the way to now and try to make a generalization, it's, it's sketchy at best. But, but still, there's something to be learned here, so hang in with me if you're a skeptic. So here, you, seeking, it was pretty much like this. 
I mean, it went down a little bit, but it was pretty much the same. What did that tell you, Pastor Tom? Why are you telling us this? And what I'm telling you is that throughout time, people have been seeking. They have always been seeking. But the, ch- the, the challenge is that the idea of priority is that there was at one point where they were setting in, they were setting in motion priorities, which is I'm going to determine what it is that I'm looking for. This is what's important to look for. And then somehow that began, that tanked out. And in, in 2000 and people now they're still seeking but they're messed up because they're lost they have no compass of what's important to look for we're still looking but we don't know what we're looking for does that make sense to you the same was true about Germany about Italy about China the same is true about oh my gosh so many different nations that I said, people in Europe Britain they're searching but they don't have a sense of priority like they don't know what they're looking for are you listening to me I'm suggesting that we're going to look at scripture and scripture is going to set what the priority remember we started this message what are there things in God that are more important than other things it's not just that you're seeking it's what are you seeking and in what order are you seeking it because what you seek and how you transact that search and how you transact that action will determine how your life is going to turn out so notice what it says in I love Matthew 6 24, 26, 31 through 34. Let me read it. No, start with this. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Then he goes on to say, Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life. What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or, or yet for your body, what shall you put on? Is, life, is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we clothe? For after all these things, what? Do the Gentiles see? For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But here's the golden scripture. Can you read it really firmly with me? Ready? Read. But seek ye... Somebody help me read this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things... Thank you. Added unto you. Praise God. And it goes on to say, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself hallelujah now let me let me put to you a challenge that i got regarding this scripture we are at the close of an age we understand where we are in time these are the last days and i'm not trying to be dramatic you know i'm not a i'm not a theologian about the last days but one thing that i do know We are so close. And what we see in Scripture about talking about the last days is that there's going to be extraordinary darkness, extraordinary uh, stress available for people in the world. But we are not of the world. We're in it, but we're not of the world. And it's so paramount for us to keep our priorities straight. It's so important for you to understand as you do exactly what God is showing you to do. You're at the right place at the right time. Everything is going to work out and be all right. Now, 
so that I make myself extraordinarily clear, there's a scripture that Christians allude to as a wild card. And that is the scripture that says in Romans, for we know that all things work out to good, to, for the good, and they stop right there. And I'll say, no, that's not what the scripture says. It doesn't say that all things shall turn out for good. It says all things will work out for those who love God. Well, that was our first commandment, right? First commandment, come on. Those that love God. And for those that what? Are called according to his purpose. Now this is what I'm about to show you in a few moments. Is that our focus in the church should not be survival. If your focus is in trying to save your life. It's in the, your focus is in the wrong place. Are you listening to me? I know it can be bad out there. I understand that. Uh, We live in the world too, you know. But the thought here is, as long as your focus is trying to survive, you're not going to make it. Because what you need to do is, you need to be preoccupied with God's plan of revival and His purpose for your life. Will you please turn with me for Mark chapter 4 and verse 35 through 41. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. It's the account where Jesus said, we're going to the other side. He went to sleep in the boat, and you know about the storm. Same day, even when the evening was coming, he said to them, let us pass over unto the other side. That is a commission. Jesus doesn't take you in life places just because he doesn't have anything better to do. He's got a mission for you to accomplish. And surprise, surprise, verse 37, there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Surprise, surprise, just because you have a calling on your life doesn't mean that you're hands off. Something, some, I'm telling you, the enemy is going to try to stop the will of God in your life. Somebody said, I understand that. Thank you. So then it goes, while well, he's in verse 38. It says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. They awake him and they say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? So that immediately speaks to me of survival mentality. I, uh, let, me, let me read it in other versions. It, it kind of, in, in the New Amplified. By the way, isn't that interesting? There's always something new like a new Coke or whatever. This is the New Amplified Bible. The other one is Amplified Classic. But whatever. This is the New Amplified. We don't have it up there. But it says, Jesus said, said they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're about to die? Does that sound like survival to you? I mean, aren't they they're concerned that they're going to die, Right? And notice what Jesus said to them. They they were filled with fear and said to each other, Oh, okay. Jesus said to them, Why are you afraid? Let Jesus, please, let Jesus say this to you today. Why are you afraid? Yeah, but the doctor's report. Yeah, but the, but the loan payment. Yeah, but the, but the eviction notice. Or yeah, but the job, but, but the, the contract, but the kids, but the cat, but the dog. Listen, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith and confidence in me? Remember, we're talking about love. 
When you get a revelation of the love of God, we're talking about the one who is never going to let you down, never walk out on you, never leave you without support. There is no condition. He says in the Amplified, I love it so much, I will not, 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 I will not in any way leave you helpless or without support. I feel, that makes me feel good. I said, I hope it makes you feel good. Confident. They were, so, so don't you have faith and confidence in me? Look what it says in the voice. It says, don't you care that we're going to die? That's survival mentality. My friends, God did not call you to this place and to this time to be built up in faith with him, to, to suddenly just be taken out. God has a plan and he's got a purpose and bless God, we are going to get to the other side. We're going to win the souls because we're not going to be survival minded. We're going to be revival minded. Revival minded. Revival minded people, they sow. Revival minded people pray. Revival minded people rejoice in the face of uh, in the face of adverse circumstances. Let me read to you something about how to behave yourself. We've got to learn the language of the redeemed. In 1 Peter chapter 3, and that's on page 5 up there. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 12 in the Amplified says, and by the way, the classic edition. Let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days, good whether apparent or not, keep his tongue free from evil and his lips from guile, treachery and deceit. Let him turn away from wickedness, shun it and let him do right. Let him search for peace, harmony, undisturbedness from conflicts, agitate, from fear, agitating passions and moral conflicts and seek it eagerly. Do not merely desire peaceful relations with God and with your fellow man, with yourself, but pursue and go after them. You know, seeking peace and pursuing it and holding your peace is one of those also foundational things in your life. Friends, if you are losing your peace, you're in a disadvantaged situation. Are you listening to me, church? Hang on to your peace. Jesus, your Prince of Peace. And He's the one that will see to it. He'll be your shalom. He'll be your peace, peace. He'll see to it that there'll be nothing missing and nothing broken out of your life. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So we understand that, that we have a purpose here where revival is concerned. And uh, we see, when we're, when we're thinking about survival, you're in the defensive mode. But when you're thinking about revival, you're on the offense. I said you're on the offense. Well, what are you doing? There's purpose in your life. Jesus said, understand this. For this purpose was the Son of Man manifest. What was it for His purpose? That He might do what? Destroy the works of the wicked one. So friends, take hope in this. Take joy in this. Regardless what might be coming against your life. As we turn to Acts chapter 27, verse 22 through 25. Here's the account of Paul. And of course there was a great storm. He was a prisoner aboard a ship. And then a great storm arose, and we won't go into all of that, but there is something here that we could tap into regarding your purpose in life. Acts 27, 22, I read in the King James Version. Read, listen to this. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Please stop right there. So critical... 
for you to know who your God is. What does it say in Daniel? But those that know their God shall be mighty and do exploits. Know your God. Hallelujah. Don't just come to church and sit there like you tag your kids along, but make appointments with God. Let Him talk to your heart. In your prayer time, wait upon the Lord. Look to heaven. Let Him speak to you. Let Him give you wisdom. Let Him give you insight, direction, correction, whatever it is, because you will be truly amazed that you're connected with God. I know whose I am. And look at this, whom I serve. Are you serving God today? That's why I take issue with people that lightly quote that scripture that everything is going to just work out. All things work together for good. No. They work out for good if you love God and your heart is set upon Him. What did He say in the book of Psalm 91? Because He has set His love upon me. I don't know about you, but I just want to set my love upon Him. Let's do that right now. God, we set our love, our affection on You right now. Oh God, there's nothing greater There will be no idol in our life. No, no, no. Thank God. We love you. We honor you, God. Hallelujah. Our very breath that we breathe. We breathe to your glory, God. Get get yourself glory through our lives. Hallelujah. But Paul said, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. If you're serving God to the best of your ability, you're connected with him. I'm telling you on the basis of God's word, everything is going to work out. You seek Him first, everything is going to work out. Hallelujah. Wherefore, sirs, uh, and then he goes on to say, So the angel said this, Fear not, God, uh, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given you all those that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Verse 24, can I just go back on that just a little bit? Paul had a purpose. Because you have a purpose to bring life for your family, you may be your family's only hope or primary hope. Because of the purpose in your life, you know that that purpose will give you an impetus to continue to believe God that it's going to be all right. See, it's purpose. We're not living to survive. We're living to revive others. Amen. Somebody shout glory. We already knew about Martha who did, uh, Martha and Mary who sat on the one thing that was necessary. Friends, I need to draw this to a close. Let me just encourage you. I'm going to just touch this really lightly. And that is where it comes to provision. So many people are concerned about how are we going to pay this and how are we going to pay that. Let me just encourage you on something. Bring God your best. Honor God with the first and with the best. And make a big deal about it. Just like there's one of our friends, one of the young men in our church, I found out, I didn't know about this, but there's a reason why he comes to church barefoot. I mean, he comes, he, he comes to church with, with, you know, shoes or whatever, but then he takes his shoes off, and, and the question was answered, why does he take his shoes off when he's in church? You know why? Because he's something God dealt with his heart, this touched me, it really touched me. He takes his shoes off when he comes to church. He goes, whenever I go into a place of worship, it is so holy for me that I feel like Moses. I'm taking my shoes off because it's holy ground. He's doing that as honoring unto God. I'm not advocating that everybody take their shoes off. But what I'm saying to you, (laughs) what I am saying to you in closing, (laughs) is that when you bring an offering to God, an offering of praise, an offering of giving, do it with such a sense of, of reverence and awe 
that this is real. This is, this is a spiritual exercise in God. And I'm bringing you not leftovers, but I'm bringing you my best. Hallelujah. I just sense, lift up your hands. That's good enough for now. Lift up your hands before the Lord. Hallelujah. God, our best for you. Lift up your hand right now. Lift it up. God's moving in the congregation. He's helping you. Our absolute best in our time. Our absolute best in our attention and our affection. As a church, we set our affection upon you, God. We refuse to give prime attention to things that don't matter. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Let him talk to you. Take a, take a second here. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. Just take a moment. Thank you, Lord. I know he's talking to you. I know he's talking to you. Yeah. And now, Lord, we receive your faithfulness. And we, I decree by the word of the Lord that it shall come to pass. The right thing at the right time. Hallelujah. And we, we're going to go forth. We're going to reap that harvest. We're going to be that salt. We're going to be that light in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And we're going to be a, a company of believers without fear in nothing terrified, knowing in whom we have believed, knowing our purpose. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you for it. Hallelujah. How many of you, God's talking to your heart right now? He's talking to you. He's talking to you. Thank you, Lord. Precious Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just take another moment. Take another moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. That person that was saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I can make it. You are going to make it. You are going to make it, saith the Lord. The hand of the Lord is upon you for good. You just keep doing what's right. You keep seeking after my righteousness and you'll see it'll all pan out. Hallelujah. Bright days ahead. Hallelujah. I receive it. How about you? I receive it in Jesus' name. Let's give him a praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.